It's story time. Why do historians always repeat the sna- same names for events? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, well, we repeat history, so we don't <laughs> repeat the same names. I, I guess know. that's that's true. However, there's like there's no originality within the field at all. Like for like, think of the number of bloody Sundays that are out there. That's true. That's you, true. I, you've I got, give you credit for you've that. You've got, like, the, the Bloody Sunday and the Civil Rights Movement, right, like on the Selma Bridge, and then yeah. you've got Bloody Sunday in Russia, and then right. you've got, like, Bloody Sunday in Ireland, like, in the 70s or something. Right. You, you know which one I'm talking yeah. about? You2 wrote that awful song about it. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You2, Bono, that yeah, guy. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, no. Did you say sucks? Yeah, Bono sucks. The Edge seems fine. But I'm what not feeling you too. What's wrong with you? Nothing. You're not feeling you too. Ever. Why? But it, it's just like vapid bubblegum pop '50s music, like the bad '50s music, who not the good you? '50s music. I'm just a discerning individual who has good taste in songs. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at 1986. I think it's 1986. 1986 is with or without you. With or without you. <sighs> I don't know that one. Uh, Look it okay, up. all right. Uh, let me Google the uh, the lyrics here. Because I'm trying to figure out how this counts as bubblegum pop. This is not good. Oh, my God. See the stone set in your eyes. See the thorn twist in your side. I'll wait for you. Sleight of hand and twist of fate on a bed of nails. She makes me wait, and I wait without you. With or without you. With or without you. Great voice inflection there. Okay, so let's talk about how this is not a vapid or bubblegum song. When he talks about the uh, the idea that the stone mm. sets in your eyes because her eyes are now lifeless in this relationship, that she feels nothing for him. I feel not, nothing for Bono. We are well aware, Matt. We, but how, that is not shallow. It's not good. It's definitely not good. There's nothing there. That that. He knows that he is a thorn in her side, that she, he literally knows that she causes, or he causes her pain. Two things. All right. First, Jim Level Morrison poetry. Oh, good God. At best. At best. Take a shot at the doors here. This is a two for one. Also, Bono's been like the thorn in the side of humanity. So whoever this mythic woman is, at least she has good faith walking away from him. Okay. Like, I know we need to get the podcast, but I think the fact that you were three years old when this song came out. makes me a discerning individual. No! Yes, it does. It makes you a toddler. I have space. Well, it did. Still might. I might (laughs) also still be a toddler. But there's space. I don't have any good memories of Bono and U2. Nobody has any good memories of Bono or U2. However, like, there's space here for me to be critical. I just don't think you have enough historical context here. The whole thing is I do have historical context or contextualization because I understand the rest of the music that was going on around 1986 and understand no that this way. was some deep level stuff in comparison to what was out there. No way. No We're way. We're moving on. I can't we have to, to move on. I, I'm sure talk to you about this. Bono has like a Google search alert for like anytime his name comes up on the internet. So I'm sure he'll come at me and we'll just deal with it then. Oh my God. So. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to Storytime with the Historists, the podcast for world history students, teachers, and enthusiasts. It's world history, but told our way. And this week, we're going to conclude our examination of the Russo-Japanese War. Now, if you haven't listened to parts one or two of the series, Tinderbox and World War Zero, we highly suggest stopping by and listening to those first. But if you are the type of person who can hop right into the story, well, then we hope you enjoy part three. The other, other, other Bloody Sunday. Sunday, Bloody Sunday. See, you do know the song. I know the song. It doesn't make it good. He is talking about violence and conflict in a terrible time period in Ireland. And you're like, oh, it's bubblegum. It's bad. All right. 
All right, Where so, did we last leave off? So when we last left off uh, with things, um, Russia was not doing too well on the battlefield. And in Russia itself, things are also starting to fall apart. Okay. So the Russians had just caught some serious fade, uh, both uh, in the landward at Mukden and in mm-hmm. the Straits of Tsushima. Uh, and this was really like disastrous for the Russian psyche because Russia was coming at this entire war from that really ethnocentric, white man's burden, social Darwinism um, sort of perspective, which, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the first episode. This is probably not the right time or place to get deep into that. I think we right. have a future episode uh, in the slate. But it- but you're right, it does get into the whole white is superior and the Russians view themselves as white. They certainly don't view themselves as Asian or, or Eurasian. Yeah. And so they're white, therefore they should be superior just like the British were, just like the French right. and everyone else. Right. And now they're getting their butts handed to them. Exactly, right? by somebody who's not white. Now, there is this piece, though, that I do think we it's worth getting into a little bit right here because from a social Darwinist standpoint, there is this idea that the best civilizations are going to evolve the best traits to be successful in the environment, which would just be the world. Japan had offloaded all of their traditional Japanese culture, we talked about in episode one through the Meiji Restoration, inloads all of the Western civilization, and unlike the Russians, they go all in with all of the necessary reforms, and so the end result is you have an Asiatic people living in an entirely Western civilization, beating a group of people who are not fully Westernized. So junk theory, but some kernel of truth there. That is true. You're right. All right. All right. So Russia is getting crushed. Yes. I think crushed is the only way that you can say it. And so that's bad. Yeah. Well, it's bad for Russia. It's, it's great bad for, for Russia. Yeah. You know who it's uh, specifically who it's bad for though is Tsar Nicholas. Who I'm. Yeah, I mean, let, let's Tsar Nicky. If you be a child, you know we're going to refer to you as a child. Well, in all fairness, like he, he, even when he ascended to the throne, he knew he wasn't ready. He was young, and so it's not like he ever denied that. No, no. I mean, this is a, a reluctant leader at best, um, and you know he had a, a lot of animus towards the Japanese at the start of the war, uh, to the point where I was like a little curious about why the anger. Why was there? are you so yeah. angry, man? Why? And I came across this crazy story that I want to tell you. It's called the Atsu incident. All right, are you ready for this? this yeah, is I've like, never heard about this. I'd never heard about this either. You know, I started where all good stories start, like on the internet, and I came <laughs> across this thing, uh, this event that occurred in 1891. So here we go. So in 1891, then Crown Prince Nicholas II went on a state trip to Japan in part to celebrate the opening of the Trans-Siberian Railroad, which was, was pretty a huge big win for, for Russia. Russia. Yeah, absolutely. Huge win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Nikki loved this trip. So he was feeling he's, Japanese this is culture. White boy summer. He huh? goes there. He's buying all the fashion. He's wearing the clothes. He even gets a, or a Japanese tattoo oh, a of a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> he's like all in. He's loving it. And he's going to all the people. And you can imagine him like, yeah, guys, this is I'm rich and I'm Japanese. He's like, he's all in all the time. He is having the best time of his but, life. But that's kind of cool because it shows he's accepting of other cultures. Oh, absolutely. That's and, awesome. and And I think for him, this is what he wanted. He, he gets all the, the power, all the money that comes with being you know, a, a boy prince. Yeah. Exactly. Um, boy, I mean, he's in his 20s at this yeah. point. Um, but he doesn't have any responsibility either. And he's in this bubble of like where all of us are in our 20s of like no consequence. Until he goes out to this lake in the city of Atsu. All right. Okay. So check this thing out. Here's so he's what not, happens. He's gonna have like 
hashtag Lake Day or something. Well, exactly. He's doing Lake Life. Like oh, he's lake going life. out. He's he's on the boats. I assume he's he's having caviar, hanging out with all the the Have Japanese you ever had people. Caviar? Salty. Oh, That's gross. I don't like, like it. I'm, I'm sorry for all that. our listeners who like it, but ugh. Nah, I don't think any of our listeners like it. They're discerning. That our listeners know what's up. Borscht, good. Stroganoff, great. Caviar, ugh. I've never had borscht. Borscht? Are you really a world history teacher? You've never had borscht? Never had borscht. The beet soup? No. Oh, I don't like beets. That would be why. Mm. All right, go ahead. Person. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about everything but <laughs> Russian history today. All right. So on the day of the uh, Atsu incident, Nicholas goes out to Lake Biwa. Okay. He's doing the whole hashtag like like thing like we were talking about, uh, and he's like, I think maybe I should be Japanese, bro. I'm loving this whole thing. He's like, he's way into it. On the return trip from Biwa, yeah. this Japanese policeman who's been assigned to protect him okay. decides he's going to take a radical step. Right, this guy Suda Sanzo abruptly turns around, draws his saber, wham. Hits Nicholas right in the head. Shut yeah, up. For real. This just is turned, like, like in the just all of a sudden turns around and mm-hmm. nails him with hits a saber with, mat. With the sa- a saber. Okay. I I knew we were gonna get into this. Please. I'm sure we have listeners. Listen. Saber. A brief aside for our sword nerd listeners. All of the source work that I read referred to said sword as saber. I get it. It's a katana. Everybody's like, oh, it's a katana. Like, yeah, it I know a what a it's katana a big is. Deal. They say saber. I'm saying saber. This I'm, is Japanese history. Swords are a big deal. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. If you want more on swords, go <laughs> check out our uh, Devil Damio. We have a oh, whole yeah, thing on, on yeah, sword culture yeah. and all that great stuff. So the internet says saber. Um, you know what? Come at me on this one. All right. Whatever. I don't care. Um, so. The first blow, though, not fatal. I know. Oh. I think it was a sword math issue. This is like a common core problem. Like, how many paces away do you need to be if you have a katana? Or, like, ang- or know, angle or something. something like, you get it at the wrong angle, yeah. Totally hits Zar in the head, though. He gets him, but it's like a glancing blow. Knocks him to the ground. All right? Sanso comes over to deliver the death swing. Raises up. Brings down the sword. You can imagine Nikki there. Like, you know, free, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Hands up, probably pointing at his tattoo. Like, I'm like you, bro. <laughs> like, you see, like, doing the whole thing. But sword comes down and thwack. It stopped. Turns out that none of the guards, none of the people who were there to protect the the crown prince, step in to do anything about it. But the crown prince is like cousin. The Prince of Georgia, right? He's like, he's Ron Georgia. He stops the blow with a cane. That's like the Southern gentleman's weapon of choice, I've been told, right? Okay, fair yeah, you shall fair not enough. be hitting my esteemed cousin <laughs> upon or about the head with said saber, my, my man. So he stops it. Yeah. Bam! Stops it. Sanzo loses his nerve. He just lights out. Yeah, he just failed an assassination Drops the katana and runs away, right? And he's, like, going to get away. And this is where this becomes, like, a Looney Tunes episode. (laughs) Everybody's like, oh, he's running away. He's getting away. The two rickshaw drivers, for our listeners who don't know what a rickshaw is, those are the the, the carts that people sit in, and they're, like, carried by, like, somebody else runs, runs and they're holding it. Yeah, so instead of, like, a horse or anything, it's a human being. (laughs) So, like, these two guys, like the Olympic sprinters of their day, run down Sanzo. They tackle him to the ground gets roughed up, they arrest him, and take him away, right? Okay, so he gets caught. So he's caught. And Nicholas doesn't die. Nicholas is not dead. Now, he does, like, 
he gets a little hurt. You make it sound like a glancing blow, and this was like a th- what did you say it was? It's like a four inch cut from the from the katana. And how deep was it? It's it to his skull. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's not a glancing. <laughs> so, in all seriousness, now here here we have this guy who has been hit about the head with the sword. Um, you know, he goes from all in on Japan, loving Japan to hating Japan yeah. because there's this assassination. Someone tried to kill him. Right. The news gets to the emperor, Emperor Meiji, okay. right, who starts freaking out. Yeah, this is not building good relationships. No, no, which was the whole point right, of all yeah. this thing, right? And remember, you know, that historical context. Go back to episode one if you want the deep dive of this. But Russia and Japan are already starting to bump up against each yeah. other. Japan had lost Manchuria. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. And so now there's this great fear that Russia is going to re- retaliate. Bring and Japan knows they're not ready to fight a war with Russia. Not yet, yes, right. right? Because this is 1891. So I mean, they literally are right at the beginning of the yeah, Meiji Restoration. Exactly, yeah. right? So there's there's starting to freak out so there's like a letter writing campaign that's like spontaneously like 10,000 telegrams go to the Russian embassy saying we're sorry oh yeah there's a lady who commits ritual suicide to like because Japan has been dishonored by Sanzo oh uh, my gosh yeah the emperor goes and visits. In fact, like uh, the the crown prince is taken to one of the Russian battleships. Off, the, they don't even want him on Japanese territory. Ooh. So the emperor Meiji takes this huge step and goes out to the battleship, even though everybody's like, "You're gonna get taken prisoner." He's like, "No, dude, we got to regain this honor." Right, and. and, and- yeah, relationship trust, exactly, yeah. right? And so, like, reluctantly, there's this, like, agreement, like, all right, Sanzo will go to jail. But everybody in Japan's like, wants to know why. Why, why, why did, did this happen? Why did this guy happen? try to, like, yeah. yeah, what happened? So here's the thing. Sanzo came from a samurai daimyo family. Oh, so he's already bitter. So he's super bitter because his family was one of the prime groups of people who would have lost power at the beginning of the Meiji With the restoration. restoration. Yeah, yeah. For, for our listeners who don't understand, the, the samurai were really, really valuable and very important mm-hmm. in Japanese history, especially in the shogunate period. Yeah. When the Japanese decide to modernize and westernize, the samurai become almost obsolete because their fighting styles Nothing. aren't going to work. Exactly, so right. They're, so they're bitter. And okay. Sanzo is like daimyo-level samurai. Oh, he's high-high. Yeah, he's high-high. And so he goes from like having like a station in life and everything else to like becoming lowly. He gets conscripted. He goes into the army. Um, he gets like essentially radicalized because in 1873 he becomes one of the soldiers who has to go out and put down a samurai revolt. Mm. So he has to turn against his own like People, previous social right. class. Like it's a whole big thing. Um, and uh, uh, Sanzo believes that these Western influences, people like the Tsar, they're spies. They're there to destroy Japan and bring them down by westernizing the culture. So he thought he was taking this heroic step to stop the Russians and instead of like you know stopping the Russians in the West from taking over Japan he you know essentially radicalizes you know the czar and he turns him into this person who's like totally like a anti-Japanese but also be just like anti-common man people because he views them as people to be afraid of right Right. there's a lot of animosity there from czar Nicholas which I feel like you know I want to know a little bit more about so you know czar Nicholas if you're listening you come on the pod you know we can interview you you can like set the story straight on this sort of thing I think that would be a good thing for our listeners so check us out uh, storytimeofhistorist at gmail.com um, uh, we'd love to have a guest. Friend of the show, Zara Nicholas. That would be awesome to be <laughs> able to Trying to say. figure out where he's going to access that technology from, but all right. What, okay. too, too soon? <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Jeez. Okay, so at the end of this incident, and again, this is what? 
how many years? 13 years before. Yeah, so this so is like the 1890s. Japanese yeah, 1891. Yeah. So Nicholas now hates the Japanese, mm-hmm. which, you know, if someone tried to assassinate me, I'm not going to be thrilled either. Let's, yeah. let's really give it. Um, so we see where the animosity is coming from. Japan and the Meiji Emperor did try to, you know, smooth things over, and I guess it was somewhat successful, but that bitterness is not going away. Not, not for the Tsar. And when he takes power. And there's a reason to fight, and you know he can use this to boost uh, his popularity because things weren't going well at home for oh, no. the Russians, especially for the lower class people. This seemed like it would be a win-win. Like we'll go, we'll rough up the Japanese. I'll get my, I'll have my revenge, right. and it ends know, up being a lose-lose. It's a horrible loss. And it's not just, it's not just the loss of. The, I mean, that's embarrassing. I mean, because mm-hmm. right, this is the first Asiatic power yep. who's been able to defeat a Western or a European power. So yep. this is a. I mean, not only did you lose to little Japan, you are the first European nation ever yep. to lose to Asia. All through the scramble for Africa, the that's takeover pretty, of, of China, India, everybody had been doing their own thing. And that alone would be bad enough. If they yes. could recover and, and still be okay, that would always be a scar upon their psyche. Yes. But the l- outcome of the war yeah. leads to even worse, I shouldn't say worse, but even <laughs> Only in Russia does it get worse. worse. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to think. Worse in a different way because yeah. this has a direct impact on Bloody Sunday Absolutely. in 1905. 1905, right? So, you know, thinking of our timeline, um, this event occurs during the Russo-Japanese War, but that right. whole Towards year, the end. Yeah, 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 that whole year of 1905, we will go from like fighting the war, Russians getting beat down repeatedly, suing for peace, and this whole time the Russian people are super angry but they're not angry at the czar and that's where i think this is like another like oh not during the war right distinctly russian tale of like how things get really bad to worse so bloody sunday what happened so as a result of losing the war there's a couple of things so as a result of losing the war right there had been a ton of resources diverted for the war effort and you Mm -hmm. lose people ordinary citizens are willing to divert to war efforts if you win yes but if you if you you know have food shortages or supply shortages for a war that you lose, right? Now things are a little bit more difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because these people have nothing, and they now nothing, they're yeah. giving a large percentage of their nothing. So you know, I, I think that there's some sort of hidden math problem in there. I don't know what percentage of zero you can give, right? But uh, the Russian people were being asked to make sacrifices, and they already and didn't, didn't have anything. Yeah, to they didn't have to begin to begin yeah. with, and now you lose, and there's nothing in return. And so in January of ni- I think yeah, it is January of 1905. Um, the Russian people start to protest. They're tired. They have lived in misery long enough. Their technology is outdated. The evidence by the Russo-Japanese War as yep. well. Um, they don't have enough food. People, even the people working in the factories, which was technically a step up from like the peasants in the countryside, their working conditions are terrible. Yeah. Like everything just sucks for the Russian people. Yeah, they, they want change. Yeah, and so in 1905, they engage in a peaceful protest, mm-hmm. right? Father Gabon and, yes. and go to the Winter Palace and all they're trying to do is let Nicholas know that Dude, things got to get better. You got to help us. You're the czar. Mm-hmm. You you are God appointed. You got to help your people. That's what you were put in right, power yeah. for. Help us somehow. We don't care whether it's food or better working conditions or better. Help us. We can't keep living in this misery. Literally. Like, yeah, like <laughs> literally. This is not a joke, people. This is not like first world. This is 
this serious is, misery. This is there's very few people on planet Earth are living lives this bad right. at this point in time. Yeah, and you, you talked about this guy Gapon and and his leading of the movement. What's crazy is to think about how this ends. Gapon was like friend of the Czar. He the, wasn't. He a, he's a priest. He, he's a priest, and the organization that he had helped create, this protest group organization, mm-hmm. had been. Uh, infiltrated, not even like infiltrated, um, was like basically known by the secret police um, of the the Russians. Uh, the I'm trying. What's the apparatus um, that knew about them? The Okrana. Right. There it is. Uh, I knew I'd eventually get it if I just waved <laughs> my hands wildly enough <laughs> at my microphone. Um, the Okrana. They knew about uh, Gapan. They knew about this. Like they had been infiltrated. Like these were like. I don't know, like the QAnon, like they were known to the state. Like right, everybody knew who they were. They weren't radicals. They weren't, and they were, they were asking us for basic stuff, wasn't it? Like a, they just wanted ready for this a ten-hour workday. <laughs> Let's lower our workday to ten, ten hours. hours. Something like make four rubles and only have to work six out of the seven days of the week. Jeez, that's what that that was the improvement to pay us four rubles, which has got to be the equivalent of like four cents. Right, and like, and they believe a day. A day. A day, right? And they believed the Tsar loved him. He, they really did. They're like, Tsar, we, granted, we sucked at the Russo-Japanese War, but it's not because we think you didn't love us. We're just a little bit backward. They really believed he cared mm-hmm. about them, and he once they once he was aware of the protests, he was going to help them. And I'm sure Tsar Nikki, as all great leaders in the situation did, rose to the occasion, met the needs of the people, of and averted disaster, That's right? That's what all leaders do. Of course it is. You know, we, we, we know this. Oh, you may not know the story, but... Regardless of whether Tsar Nicholas was not even at the Winter Palace, <laughs> so they're they're protesting an empty building. Yeah, uh, so that's but that's beside the point. We don't know whether Tsar Nicholas ordered this. We don't know if the soldiers at the Winter Palace just started to freak out, or the Cossacks, or the Cossacks. Someone someone did something, and shots end up being fired. Like how many shots are a we lot. talking? A like lot. how many people go down? A lot. How many? Take a guess. Um. Bloody Sunday massacre. I'm gonna go with like 75 dead, 200 wounded. Oh no, 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 no. We have, we actually don't even have the complete number, but in terms of dead and wounded together, over a thousand. Over a thousand? Yeah, it was bad. Holy cow! Like that's, that's what the the state said they killed a thousand people. Like the official numbers. Yeah. And you know the official. You numbers know they tamp that low. down. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're like, <laughs> Just kidding. We killed five. We just didn't want to let you. No, yeah, yeah. We know that's a probably a low estimate. Holy cow! Just right there on the street in front of everybody. Yeah, and I think I think it was a case of, and I'm, and it wasn't just civilians and stuff. There were soldiers who, who right. aided as well. But it's this idea that the panic set in. Somebody fired a shot. Uh, whether the cost, somebody threw a rock. I don't know what happened, but that's a lot of people. That's your own people that you yeah. have fired upon. Yeah, and you're talking like about the Cossacks. The Cossacks are like the shock troops. They're like they're like hardcore, like elite special forces mm-hmm. uh, using today's parlance. Like those protesters, led by a priest, a priest, with chanting "God save the Tsar," and asking for four cents a day, and in return, and then in return they get like the Navy SEALs of their time, you know, blasting them down in the streets and killing them. Yeah, bloody so- Sunday. All right aptly named even though it's a repeater although to be fair this would have been the first bloody sunday yes so it totally it it gets the name first it wins so and we know throughout history this is not going to be good this is not good for the czar this is not good for the russian people it is only the czar does make some attempts at the end like with the duma and everything else like that to appease the people 
it inevitably doesn't work because we see a huge, even the bigger revolution in 1917. Right. Well, the trust is lost. Oh, yeah. And that's like the irony. And I think, you know, this is where the Atsu incident and some of these, you know, his past, um, you know, his grandfather famously had been assassinated right. after enacting a series of reforms, uh, the 1861, you know, reforms, land reforms, abolishing the serfdom. And what did he get from that? He got blown up. Right, right. And, and by the way, which Nikki was brought into the room as a, as a young child under the age of 10. Yeah. And they're like, say goodbye to grandpa and they like bring walk him into the room and he's got like no arms or legs and he's like whoa, whoa, and like the last thing apparently that his grandfather told to this little boy prince who's gonna one day lead the largest empire on yeah. planet earth he's like whoa don't trust the people and he's like coughing up his lungs and he just looks like a talking pile of hamburger that sounds like a formative event to me I think so. And then it's reinforced when he goes to right. Japan and someone swings a sword at his head. And then, you know, this group of people show up and they all get blasted and, and killed. This is a guy who already, like we said, didn't want to be. Didn't want to be an yeah. emperor. Didn't want to do it. And now surrounding his early life and early he's reign. Years, right. Yeah. He's got all of these horribly. Uh, violent incidences where he perceives that the world is out to get him. Right, that he's paranoid, right? Yeah, that, oh, paranoid that is the perfect the, word. The people are out to, everybody's out to get him. Gonna whether get it's him. his own people, whether it's foreigners. And so you kind of understand the pre protective attitude that he surrounds himself with. Um, maybe this is why he didn't make changes. Why? Maybe this is why he didn't listen to the Duma, which was the legislative advisory right. body um, after the 1905 bloody sunday event and then in 1917 when things were even getting real he's like i'm done I'm, yeah I, i'll fine i quit he quits he's out i mean it, it also helps us understand why he would turn to a stinky bog wizard from siberia to help you know advise him and his family uh, but if you want to know more about rasputin you got to come to class yes you, do. One. you gotta catch Seriously, show. So, i don't know what I don't know. That's like a deal with the devil kind of guy, right? <laughs> things just things that should have killed him didn't, and that's a little frightening. Right. And see, that's a great band. Bono sucks. Rasputin. That's a band. Got stuff done. Rasputin. It's not a band. It's oh, just I a guy. Oh, a band. Oh, it's a man. Yeah. Okay. Man. Yeah. Like, no. I've never heard of Rasputin. No, he's he got a cool song. Done. He's got a cool song. Oh, but yes, I've seen it. The 1970s. Yes. <laughs> rah, rah, Rasputin. We'll put that in the, the notes. Of yeah. The, I can't remember the band who sings it, but you got to watch it. It's truly. It's horribly bizarre. It is so bizarre, but. <laughs> All right. So that's the story of the other, other, other Bloody, Bloody Sunday. Sunday. So by the end of the Russo-Japanese War, Japan is feeling pretty good about itself. It's got yeah, a yeah. foothold in Manchuria, and we know they're going to take off to China from Manchuria. Russia has lost a war, their people have revolted in mm -hmm. 1905 after Bloody Sunday. It's like on... It's like a graph trending in two different it directions. Is. Onwards and upwards with Japan and downward spiral for Russia. It's weird because by mid-century, they'll flip. Yeah, they totally flip. They'll flip and Japan will totally get swatted down in World War II and Russia will be one of the swatters, not the swatties. And the, the rest of the 20th century is mapped out by that conflict really between the Russians and the United States. So yeah, it, it's kind of this crazy, bizarre story. But in a lot of ways, this entire tale of the Russo-Japanese War really... Um, is a microcosm of what the 20th century will be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, modernization and technology and, and untold amounts of violence and economic strife and, and cross-cultural uh, misunderstandings. Yep. I, it's really, you can understand why uh, this event gets termed World War Zero so in a lot of ways. So thank you, Russia and Japan, for starting off the 20th century with a bang. <laughs> Best century to kill people, God, without a doubt. Seriously. 
All right. Well, if you liked our podcast, you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, where Google. Else? I, I mean, I, I did a search the other day. We're out there. <gasps> We're on Google. Yeah, oh yeah. We're on Google Podcast now. Oh. Um, uh, you know, all the independent ones. It's out there. You, so you know, make sure you find us. Um, definitely make sure you, you know we got to get the Instagram going back up and running. Yep. We've been bad about the Instagram, uh, so we'll get Instagram back up and running. And uh, next episode, we'll hit the season finales for season two uh, with a crazy story in and of itself. So I'm looking forward to that one. So make sure you guys tune in. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to us, and as always, continue to listen and support us if you can, and until next time, we will see you later. Bye.